Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Cassandra Dunbar. Cassandra is the host of the award-winning podcast, Be Well Sis, as well as an entrepreneur, educator, and writer. She's been featured in Ebony, Madame Noir, ABC News, and Forbes, talking wellness, self-care, and the hardship of being a person of color in an industry that's mainly white. She is empowering so many, whether it's her huge community of followers, the healthcare industry, or her family and friends. She has real conversations about real topics, including body positivity, Eastern and Western healing modalities, complex relationships, and self-image, to name a few. She is a wealth of information, and I am thrilled she's here today to share her story and talk about how we can all be well within our own terms. Hello, Cassandra. Dr. Dunbar, thank you for being here today with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. How are you? I, I am doing well. I, I love our conversations on wellness. And so I just want to jump in and, and share it with everybody. And so I, I think it makes sense. So for us to start, not in the way beginning, like, you know, four score and 500 years ago when we were born, <laughs> but more so, um, you know, how did the podcast come about and how did you get your jump into wellness? Sure. So I went to medical school and in the last semester of medical school, I became pregnant with my oldest son. And something about being pregnant really made me think about and really consider everything that I put in my body, on my body. And I became really focused on how do I become well? I knew what it means or meant means to be healthy. That's what we studied, right? But what does it mean to actually be well? And because I was carrying a child, I started to just look at things differently. And I really wanted to have like the optimal environment for him, as well as just be a good model of what it means to be well. So I started looking and searching about wellness and what that all entails. And I, as I was doing my research, I realized that a lot of the imagery that I was seeing did not feature women who looked like me or had my experience. So it was really catered to affluent white women. I'm like, all right, I, I cannot be the only Black woman who is looking to be well. So that was there. I started to, you know, incorporate some different things in my life, like what I ate, of course, things that I put on my skin, I was more conscious of. Um, and then I just like put a pause there. Then fast forward a few years later, about four years later, um, I got pregnant with my second child and the pregnancy was completely benign, nothing to write home about, easy pregnancy, but during delivery, just everything hit the fan. So um, we both almost lost our lives during labor and delivery and um, thank goodness we both made it. And he spent some time in the NICU and when he came home, I was just really nervous about what 
life would be like for him, what life would be like for us. I wasn't sure. At the time, we were treating him as if he was a special needs child. He had tons of specialist appointments. And at the time, I was navigating being a new mother to two children now, um, as well as being a mother to, at the time, what was considered to be a special needs child. And I was spent. And at this point, I had gone back to work. And I was trying to be a good mother, a good wife, um, a good daughter. My mother lives with us. And just all the things. And I was juggling all of the hats. And I remember at one point I would go to bed and I would thank God for all of my blessings. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'd be like, oh, why am I still here? So I had a doula for this second pregnancy and she kept in touch with me. So she called me just to see how I'm doing, how the baby was doing. And she knew I didn't sound like myself, like my energy level wasn't the same. And I just didn't seem like myself. So she knew I had been seeing a therapist before then, before early on in my pregnancy. And she's like, can you do me a favor and go back to your therapist? And I'm like, you know what, for you, I will. Went back to the therapist and the therapist was just like, all right, so tell me about your day. Run me through what you do from sunup to sundown. And I told her and she's like, okay, so where are you in all of this? I'm just like, well, you know, I do all these things. I, she's like, no, no, no. Where are you? What do you do for yourself? And I couldn't say anything. So she was like looking back at the notes that she had taken about me. And she was like, how about you start a podcast? You had talked about doing a podcast. So how about you use an hour a day um, researching how to do that and maybe connect with different women um, about that. And that would be your self-care time. I said, okay. So that was in 2020. And then that self-care time turned into Be Well Sister podcast. And that brings us to here today. We are. Now, here we are. <laughs> now, so many things that you... Uh, have said, have, have strike a chord. I think I can speak for myself and, uh, you know, hey, listeners out there, have, do you ever feel this as well? That so many times you're doing things for everybody and not yourself. You may even, or I should say, I may even convince myself that, oh, I'm doing this because I know my child will love it. And then by the way, I'm going to be happy which I think there's a lot of truth to that. What you're saying is so true. Many times we all, no matter how busy or not busy we are, we play many different roles. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what we need to do for ourselves comes last. That's nothing new. We read about that all the time in any of these. doesn't have to be wellness trades, mm -hmm. you know, publications that are out there. So um, I, I think what I would like to ask you, because I have many questions about this, but when we talk about wellness, and I've been talking uh, almost 10 years now about wellness, I do think it has changed in this decade. And I definitely think, and you kind of mentioned this, that it's it, especially lately been seen as wellness equals affluence. Mm -hmm. Can you take a moment to talk about that? Like where you're coming from there and maybe even, all right, how do we get past that? Yeah. So for sure, I, I feel like in the past few years, wellness definitely has become commodified and it has become something that you have to spend ridiculous amounts of money to do. So when we think about wellness and if you do like a quick Google search or even like an Instagram hashtag search, what you'll find is like luxurious vacations, luxurious retreats, um, Lululemon outfits, expensive Pilates and yoga classes or memberships to like really high end exclusive boutique hotels. Or the greatest natural products that are going to make your skin look flawless. Yes. And just, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And I am on the East 
East Coast, but I've been hearing about Erewhon, which is a high-end grocery store in, I guess, Cali. And they're selling like $21 smoothies, a eight ounce <laughs> smoothie for $21. And long story short, I feel like that is what is being sold as wellness. But when really wellness does not really cost anything, it may cost some time because now you have to be more intentional about how you spend your time, but it shouldn't actually cost money to be well. Wellness is not a thing that we purchase. It's a it's a lifestyle that we adopt little by little. And I think because wellness has become so commodified, people automatically disqualify themselves from even trying, attempting to be well. They think, well, I don't have the money for that. So I'll just keep doing the same things. Um, so, so that's where I'm at with that. Now, what do you think in terms of, all right, so if wellness doesn't need to cost anything, what are your, you know, say top five ideas and activities to how to be well with very minimal costs? And by the way, if you can't get to five, which I'm sure you can, I can jump in there because off the top of my head, I have a few as well. Okay. Sounds good. So the first thing that I would say is to ask yourself, what do you need right now? Asking myself that question is something that I learned to do in therapy and it sounds so simple, but it has really changed my approach and my relationship with myself. A lot of times we are taught to like push past feelings of discomfort, push past our feelings, whether it's physical, mental. Um, so just asking ourselves, what do we need right now? For the most part, when we ask ourselves and really wait for the answer, it's going to be like, well, I need a drink of water. So drinking more water is going to be helpful in just hydrating yourself. When you're hydrated, you think more clearly, you feel a little bit better. Um, getting some air, spending some time outside. It doesn't have to be that you're running a marathon or you're doing tough mud or anything really extenuous. Just go out for um, a short walk during your lunch break, or sit outside and read a book, sit outside and scroll on your phone if that's what you want to do. But getting that time in nature, getting that time in sun is super, super important for our species. We are very much indoor people as North Americans, and it shows in the lack of vitamin D that most of us are, are dealing with. A lot of us are deficient in vitamin D. I think the statistic is 65% of us are deficient in vitamin D, and vitamin D is much more important not only for our bone health, but also for our mental health. One of the telltale signs of vitamin D deficiency is actually a depressed mood. And studies have shown that when people are, their vitamin D levels are elevated back to normal um, baseline, their depression essentially like dissipates. Um, so that's another thing. Another thing is trying to feed ourselves nutrient dense foods. It's really easy to have fast foods or tons of processed food because it's convenient, right? But making sure that we really properly feed our cells, feed our bodies, things that are going to give us life is really, really important. And then sleeping. We need to sleep seven hours, eight hours, honestly, is not enough. And most of us aren't even getting that, right? So making sure you get like nine, 10 hours, honestly, maybe not every night, but a lot of the night is really going to be helpful. That's where we get our rejuvenation from. Uh, I mean, everything you're saying here, you speak my language. And <laughs> uh, for those of you that are new to me, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I'm living now, and I'd like to say thriving with stage four disease. And uh, nine and a half years ago when this you know, became my story, 
I changed my lifestyle because I was the girl who ate out of vending machines. I was proud to tell my bosses that I only needed three hours of sleep and I could mm-hmm. muscle through, take care of the baby, be great at my corporate job. And I don't want to say all this came crashing down. I will say that once I started researching on how to be well, that's that's what we're talking about today, and those who were thriving with cancer, a lot of what I read was about taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and sleep. I mean, it, sometimes it's hard to sleep because we're up all night with, you know, thoughts in our mind. We're revved up on caffeine, you know, insert whatever the reasons might be here. Uh, I will tell you that once my body got used to sleeping more along the eight, nine, 10 hours of sleep, it's amazing now I can tell how different my day is. And again, this to me is a little bit like, duh, I should have known three hours versus 10 hours, of course. Uh, But the way that I can go through life, I don't have to be constantly caffeine medicated to get through life because of that. Uh, I think the nutrient-dense food is another thing. It's really easy to not feel great and just want to eat bread. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, listen, you feel nauseous, you're you're tired, I get it, and sometimes it's what you got to do. But getting in, not a $21 smoothie, but a smoothie you make at, at home yourself with a few fruits, frozen fruits. I love doing frozen fruits and vegetables. They're cheaper. Um, they they hold on to the nutrients at the, the point of when they're frozen. So they really are, are good for you. And a little bit of coconut water and bam, mm-hmm. you got a great smoothie. I will tell you one of my favorite things to do now is lie on a hammock in my backyard. Now, mind you, for those who are listening, my backyard is nothing special. It really isn't, but what I've found is that the sensation, because I like a hammock, lying in a hammock, I, I got it for a birthday gift, and it was it's not an expensive one, but to close your eyes and to be rocking back and forth a little bit, looking at the sky, you know, you and I in different locations are looking at the same sky. Mm-hmm. The dream wellness vacation that I'd want to take that all these fancy places are talking about, well, I'm sure that there's a lot of merit to it. Uh, but they are closing their eyes and looking at the same sky. I guess, would they be closing their eyes and then looking at the sky? No. <laughs> they will keep their eyes wide open, look at the sky, then maybe close their eyes. It's the same sky I'm looking at. And that's been really powerful for me when I felt like, you know what? I'm a little too tired to take a walk around the block. Because listen, I'm I'm a cancer patient. And by the way, you don't have to be a cancer patient to be tired. So many of us have full lives and it is okay to listen to our bodies and just rest and not necessarily you can schedule it in, but also just take the time. I think you said something about space, give yourself space. That is one thing I never did was give myself space to be. And now that I have been doing that, especially this last year when I went on sabbatical, it gave me some space to just be and to kind of let life, let my gut guide me as opposed to scheduling everything and making sure everything fit in. Yeah. Yeah. I think our culture too really dictates a lot of the way that we think in terms of like, you know, getting less sleep and we're very much caffeinated society because we're so productivity obsessed and there's a time and place for everything. Yes. Be productive, but I think it's more important to take care of yourself first everything else is going to fall into place after that. Um, so that I think that's where that comes in. And then also just thinking about how we as women have been socialized, you know, a lot of our 
we're told directly or indirectly that our worth comes from serving others. So of course, we're going to put ourselves at the very bottom of the list. You know, if we even get to the very bottom, we'll take care of ourselves, which never happens, right? Right. I I mean, it, it seldom does. Or for me, I'll feel bad. Mm-hmm. that I meant to do it. And so then I'll rush to give myself five, eight minutes because I needed to get it in. It's on the to-do list and it's important, but it's such a rush for that eight minute of time. I don't think I'm really doing myself the service mm-hmm. that I need when I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understood. Understood. I struggled with that mom guilt a lot too. And one thing that I realized is that my kids are, are small. And I, the lesson that I've learned in parenting so far has been they rarely listen to what I say, but they absolutely mimic everything that I do. So I want to be a good example and to give them just the right skills that way when they're older, they, they'll have a toolbox of things that they can reach into to help them cope because life is going to remain complicated, unfortunately, as much as I try to give them like, you know, the best life, there's going to be challenges. And I want them to be equipped to to face those challenges. That's very powerful. Giving your kids a toolkit, whether they use it now, if they're watching us, maybe they're not into mindfulness or meditation, or they're resisting it or gratitude lists. But they know from watching us that it's important to us. And maybe when they need it most, They'll draw upon it. And like you said, your kids are young. I mean, my kid's now 14. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a tremendous amount of stress. You hear a lot. Years ago, it was just about wellness. And it was, the you know, they talked about the mind, body, soul. But a lot of the tactics or modalities that were used were focused on the body. And the funny thing is, is that it's all related. It's, you know, how we think oftentimes it influences how we feel, whether it's how we physically feel or how we mentally feel. And so the last few years, especially once COVID hit, there were a lot of open conversations about mental wellness. And I think as a society, you're talking about this productivity factor. There's a lot of stress going on around us. I know on your podcast, you've covered the topic several times And I've heard you talk a little bit about self-care versus aftercare. Can you shed a light on what that means? Sure. So self-care are the little things that we do um, or sometimes big things that we do just to maintain ourselves. Then aftercare is what do we do when we've encountered a stressor? So for example, if I have a... If I know that my day is going to be busy and I'm going to have three really hard conversations or potentially different difficult conversations, now that I know about aftercare, I'm going to build in a, a buffer somehow. So one can be my best friend. I'm going to make sure that I talk to her after the call because she's hilarious. So just to mitigate some of that stress, or I'm going to end my work day a little bit earlier and take a nap and I'm going to schedule that time in. Whereas self-care are all the things that you do daily. So self-care can be really simple. Just um, our basic hygiene is self-care. Um, making sure that we eat is self-care. Going to our annual um, appointments to see the doctor is self-care. Aftercare is what we do whenever we have um, a particularly stressful situation. How do we dissipate that? Um, The example that I always like to give is thinking about if we're stuck in traffic, 
and we're stuck in traffic. Typically, what should be a 15-minute ride turns into an hour and 15 minutes, right? And during that time, people are honking, they're cutting you off, and you have to use the bathroom. You finally make it home, and you're hungry as well. You finally make it home. Just because you're home does not mean that now everything is right with the world. No, you still have to address the fact that you are, um, you have to use the bathroom, and that you are hungry. Um, so addressing those things is kind of um, aftercare. And then what do you do just to relax and come down off of the adrenaline that was pumping while you were sitting in traffic and possibly having some not kind words for the fellow people who are in traffic with you. So that is aftercare. I like that. I, I really do. I think we all just associate, we've got stress, we've got stress. So this is what we need to do. There are some people that are very meticulous about their workouts. It has to be at this time. It's in the morning. I have to get it done because that helps me maintain my stress. Mm -hmm. Now that's a tool for prevention, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That may or may not be the right tool for when you've got these moments of intense stress, mm -hmm. like the traffic incident where it's not going to stress you out lifelong, but it did inconvenience you, which leads to, again, hungry, have to go to the bathroom. Maybe it puts you behind. You need to be somewhere. You need to change all that. And that's a different type of, of stress. And so a tool to help unwind from that might be different than your everyday self-care. Exactly. Exactly. And, and being equipped with some possible things that you can do for aftercare is going to be really, really important um, just to mitigate that stress. Because yes, like you said, being stuck in traffic that one day is not going to like cause lifelong like issues. However, there are studies that show that people who spend a lot of time in traffic, whether it's their commute to work, um, they have like less um, life satisfaction and they have like a, a, a less life expectancy as well. So these little things, like these little things, like they add up to bigger things. So knowing how to maneuver those situations um, is really, really important. It's going to be impactful in the long run. Well, what I like what you started out with is asking yourself the question. And your question is, what do I need now? And the interesting thing is sometimes I think we don't know what we need. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest for those people that in any situation, whether it's the traffic situation, you get bad news situation, or the day-to-day, -to -day, too much to do, too little time. And you ask yourself what you need, and sometimes we're so used to being on that hamster wheel that we're like, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. What other questions might you ask so to really get down to the nitty-gritty of what you really need? For me, I feel that I would ask myself, what do I need? And I would always have an answer if I gave myself time to really think about it. Um, and then if I have a, a to-do list of things, now it's like, okay, so who can help me? Um, another thing is that we are social creatures and because of the way society is, we've kind of lost connection with other people. And the truth is, is that there is somebody who wants to help us. Think about how you are or how I am. I want to help people around me, people that I love, right? Um, the same 
replies in the other way. People want to help us. So there isn't everything that we have to do ourselves. I know a lot of it. Yes, we have to do ourselves, but there are some things that our circle is willing to take on for us. And I think we have to relinquish that control a bit and let people help because again, in the long run, it's going to be helpful for us. You know, I've been going to some speakers about parenting because, hey, uh, they're really powerful and I enjoy them. And one of the speakers had talked about how a lot of teenagers, they go in their room and they blast musics and they have playlists uh, for different moods that they're in. And I kind of thought to myself, like, wow, let me think about that for a second. I'm, I I like music, but I'm, I wasn't the person that was always listening to music throughout my whole life. So would that, would that work for me? And I know this conversation was more about the parenting and what the kids were doing, but I, I was thinking, would this work for my kid? Would this work for me? And so as I was reading a little further after that, talking about the power of music. So if you're into music, you're probably laughing right now, being like, ah, Karen, I've been doing that for years. Uh, and if maybe you're into music, but you don't use it in that way, I found it really interesting. I cr started to create some playlists and one of which is when I need a pep in my step. And so I, I have songs that I know are going to make me want to get up and dance. Mm -hmm. Now, let's first start by saying, well, that's me. I want to get up and dance if I'm in a good mood. Not everybody wants that. So those songs or that type of playlist may not work. I do think that having the tool, like being open about what your tools could be and being curious about it. I never thought music really worked for me. I liked music well enough. I sang as a kid. I danced as a kid. There's a lot of reasons why I like music, but I never really added it to my wellness arsenal. But again, it had to come from me. If I had a friend make a playlist for me, that could be helpful and that could be nice, but it may not work for me. And so I, I throw that out there as something interesting. You see a lot of kids today doing it. And it might be because, listen, I grew up with having mixtapes and, and the technology wasn't what it is today. And I think that that is, it's become really a beautiful thing for me because it's something I haven't used before. And so oftentimes... I, I find myself laughing because I forgot a song was on there that I liked. And, and that's something that I definitely think I would use. I don't even know if it's self-care as much as it is, because like I said, music, I like it, but I don't know if I'd say it's my thing. But for this aftercare, when something gets me in this stressful mode, I'll, I'll put it on and I'll stop thinking. If, if it's the thinking that's stressing me out, I will just be one with the music. Yeah, yeah, I, I really love that. And the word that I really appreciate you using is curious. I think as we become older, a lot of us lose our curiosity. We just keep doing things a certain way. We, I'll talk speak for myself. I go the same way to work, the same way to my kids' school, and I don't explore. I think it's super important to be curious. And in speaking about kids, children can teach us so much about life like so much about how to enjoy life too. They, I look at my, my four-year-old, my four-year-old is the happiest person I've ever met. And I think, I mean, he's a little exceptional because his joy is like something else, but he's just is, if I watch him, he's just doing whatever makes him happy. 
at that moment. And I think we need to spend time doing that as well. Yeah, we have responsibilities, right? I get that. But it's really important to to seek joy and make joy a responsibility too. I used to think it was like a passive thing that, you know, joy would just be a byproduct. I find that it's not, especially how hard life can be and how challenging things can be, how complicated things can be. You really have to seek out joy intentionally. And you with the playlist is doing that. Well, I I love that idea of seeking out joy intentionally. And I think that goes back to, you gotta know what makes you happy. I've been trying to, I have a big birthday coming up and I've been thinking about what do I want to do? What makes me happy? And it, it takes like, it takes some time to think about because I'm so used to like, oh, I love doing this with my husband or I love doing this with my kid. And these are all things that we have become to do as a family, which I like and which make me happy. But I have to really dig down and rethink about what do I really want to do? Take all those other criteria aside. What makes me happy? Because definitely my kid and my husband, they definitely make me happy. Uh, What activity could make me happy and how can I do more of it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we know those. And if you do more power to you, that's great. And sometimes you don't. And, And sometimes, and I'll give the example of I love the water and I would love to be on the water on a big, beautiful boat as much as I can. I don't have a boat. I have a boating license actually, but I don't have a boat. And one can be on the water taking a beach chair sitting i live at, uh, you know on the east coast on the long island sound with feet in the water at a beach closing your eyes hearing the waves the same way uh not the same way but in a similar way that if you're on a boat in the middle of the mediterranean right and one costs a lot more than the other but my love for water can really be easily accomplished in a, in a littler way, we'll say. But I, I, you know, I challenge myself and I'll, I'll challenge you who's listening right now to what are things that you like to do? What did you like to do as a kid? Yes. If you're stumbled upon, how do you find joy? Yeah, I, I was just going to say that to explore what you like to do as a child. That was my my therapist again. She um, challenged me to, to really think about what I did as a kid, what I enjoyed doing as a kid. And then try to revisit one of those things. One of them was I used to color a lot as a kid. So I got myself an adult coloring book. It was actually from my son and he didn't care for us. I'm like, well, let me take this back and color. (laughs) And that's been nice. I used to ice skate a lot, you know, growing up in Minnesota. A a lot of people skated. There were ponds, there were uh, ice skating rinks. And I several years ago bought myself a nice new pair of skates and I started skating again. I mean, I was no Olympian, I just really love to ice skate. And so that was really fun for me. So I encourage you, those who are listening, like send us a note. Let us know what makes you happy. Where do you find joy? Are there any activities? Sometimes we need to hear from other people to know, okay, this this is a great idea. I didn't even think about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna try that again. And I'm really grateful for all of you who have connected with me over the years, whether it was through Pretty Wellness or it was through Happiness Through Hardship. It really is a fun way to take these lives that we're in 
and, you know, connect is the word, connect with other people that have some similar interests that may not be in our day to day. And there are a lot of powerful things about social media and these communities. And yeah, there's some other ones that are challenging, but I want to look to the good and say that's been really wonderful. So Cassandra, before we go into playing the grateful game, I just wanted to ask, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? Wise words, what you're working on now that makes you happy? Um, wise words. That's a tough one. But I would just say, just tap into you. Ask yourself, what do you need right now? What did you love to do as a child? And really define for yourself what does success mean um, in everything? Not what the world says success looks like, but what feels good to you and chase that. Go after that. And then in terms of what do I love? I love podcasting. So um, check me out at Be Well Sis. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Be Well Sis underscore podcast. And um, this summer, I'm really making it my assignment to really tap into my joy. So me and the boys are going to be out and about and um, just figuring things out. Hiking. I love to hike. My husband, not so much, but it's okay. Me and the boys will hike together and just, just figure out what is what are some things that I didn't know that I like doing and, and I'm going to try new things and be curious. All right. So I will ask you. What are you grateful for today and why? And for those who are new to me, this is something I do on every podcast. It started out with me and my nine-year-old at the time. I believe it's because he did not want to go to bed. And so he would stall. And when I said, oh, I got this gratitude book. Let's check it out. It's great for everyday well-being. He was shaking and said, yeah, mom, yeah, mom, yeah, let's do it. But what the beauty of it is when you take any small really small activity and you make it a habit, a daily habit, a weekly habit, every few days, whatever works for you, then you start really utilizing this as we're talking about self-care. For my son and I to focus on what we were grateful for and why in that day led to us going throughout our days looking for the good, looking for things that we were grateful in. And it was really such a small activity but it really became huge. And so a few years ago when we started the podcast, I thought, what a wonderful way. Some of these stories and topics we talk about are hard. And uh, did the Grateful Game cure my cancer? Well, no, I live with stage four cancer. But did it make me laugh? Did it help me see joy in sometimes even those hard days? Absolutely. And so I ask you who's listening, try it yourself. And uh, Cassandra, I'd love to hear what you are grateful for and why today. Today, I am grateful for, I'm grateful for both my kids, but especially my youngest. My youngest is just sunshine. He is just the sweetest, kindest, just lightest, just, he's just always just happy. He wakes up, he literally pops up when I watch him wake up, pops up and he smiles. And yeah, so this morning when I came in from dropping off my oldest son at school, he walked in, he's just like, good morning, mommy, give me a hug. And he just is just so happy. So he is um, what I am grateful for today. I needed that smile. I needed um, his energy. I needed that hug this morning. Oh, I love that. I love, and as you're saying hugs, I would say, I love hugs. I know not everybody does, but I do a big bear hug feels amazing. And if you're a hugger like me, sometimes when you're having a bad day, just ask somebody. I mean, obviously the right person, uh, somebody in your life that you know 
loves you to give you a hug if that's what you need. Because sometimes just that closeness, like you said, that beaming of smiles that's coming from your son that's bouncing in the room with positive energy can really be huge. So I want to say thank you again for everybody who joined us on this uh, conversation. I hope you got a lot out of it. Now, if you love this podcast, please tell your friends about it. That is how we get bigger. That is how we get more opportunities. That is how we share this message of finding joy during whatever journey you're going through in life. So thank you so much for being here today and bye for now, everyone. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.